You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. We have our great friend Bruce Beckstead speaking with us this morning. Bruce has been a part of the NTC family before I was born, and uh, this is just him coming home to share with us his heart and to speak into the church. So thanks for being here, Bruce. Thank you, Greg. Good morning. I'm way up high. I'm the pastor right now of Northside Community Church across, the, across town on the other side of the river. And um, I was sent out from here about four and a half years ago. And, and um, so I'm, I feel like I'm, I've come back home. Josh was saying this morning, whether you've been here a thousand times, and I did some quick math and I figured out that I've been here more than a thousand times. So, and I see some of you out here who have as well. Um, so, it's just great, great to be back here today and, you know, um, talk about math. Mary, Mary prophesied this morning about um, counting our blessings. And uh, I was up at 3.30 this morning. And nobody would understand why in here. Maybe there's one or two, but I was watching the Australian Open tennis finals. I'm a tennis guy. I don't know if anybody are tennis people out there. I'm always looking. Um, I, I was telling Jenna, and I, Jenna, I said, I don't know why I'm telling you this. She doesn't care. So, um, five-hour match, just at the end of the day, five-hour match. Um, Nadal ended up winning, and he's now won 21 majors, but he, he, he um, lost 26 games. 26 games, and he still won the match. He ended up winning 27 games. And I think the prophetic significance, because there's always prophetic tied to everything, if, if you look close enough, right, Mary? Barb will attest to that too, but is that we all have been knocked down 25 times, but we get up that 26th, right? And, you know, there's victory for us in counting our blessings we realize that we've got the advantage. We've got one more than the, than the opposing side. And God wants to just ignite us this morning and, and remind us that though the righteous fall seven times, they keep getting up. And I see some of your faces in here. I, see, I, I met Al this morning. I talked with you before, but I see your faces and you come and you keep coming, you keep coming. You know, there's some people, no matter what you do, how you beg them, um, whatever you do, you can't get them to come to church. But then there's other people, no matter how you offend them, they, they won't stop, you know. And so God has great things for those of us who endure, those who endure to the end. And so be enduring. Even though you fall, count your blessings because there's, um, there's a reward for every single one of us. And I'm excited to be here today, hopefully to, to share something that will empower you and strengthen you. And of course, this month has been a month of, of talking about joy. And I'm telling you, I don't really even, 39 years I've been a Christian, and I don't really know that I've ever really figured out joy like I have this month. Um, you know, when you think about joy, I don't really even know how to define it. People say, well, it's not happiness because happiness is dependent upon this or that, you know. Joy is something different. I go, well, what, what is it, you know? 
And I'm here to say this morning that it's everything. It's the whole package. Joyous happiness. It's bliss. It's delight. It's glee, elation, pleasure, jubilation. It's the whole thing. Joy is this. It's this. Simply, ready? I feel good. I feel good. That's what joy is. You have those days where you feel really good. That's what God wants to do for us. He wants to give us joy, this incredible joy. And so I'm going to talk about three things today that connect us, each of us, with the, the joy path that God has for us. So, um, so I'm still, even though I've been gone for four and a half years, I'm still not a stranger. I'm here every week with the men on Saturday morning. Um, we pray. We've been praying every day. Tapped me on the shoulder like three years ago, met me at Tim Hortons. Dave Broadbent and said, we'd like you to come to prayer. And I, you know, I hate to say no to prayer. And so we've been coming, a couple guys from our church. And I just want to encourage you, if you're a guy, um, Saturday mornings, 8 o'clock, we meet for prayer. I'm telling you, you got, you got Dave, the both, both Daves. You got Ted. Ted's up there. Hi, Ted. And you've got Jeff Mayville. Where's Jeff? I think I saw him. Guys like that that have incredible wisdom. If, if you want to get blessed, you're, come on out Saturday mornings and, and pray with us because it's a wonderful time. There's answers. These guys have the goods. So um, just a little plug there for Saturday morning prayer for the men's. I don't, I don't think Dave will, will be disappointed that I do that. But we want to talk about joy. Uh, what ruins your joy? Anybody? Shout it right out. What ruins your joy? Sickness. What else? Losing focus on what's important. Negativity. Yeah. There's all kinds of things that ruin our joy. Um, and there's things that really give us great joy. What's, what, what gives you great joy? Children. Family. Grandchildren, you're all right on track with what the Apostle Paul in 3 John 4, he says, I have, there, my joy is, there's no greater joy that I have than to know that my children are walking in truth. And uh, isn't, that, isn't that correct? Don't we all want our children and our loved ones to be walking in truth? And, um, uh, you know, God, God is doing great things in your life and in my life and what happens in your life and my life directly affects the loved ones around us. Right, Barb? They do. We have an impact on everybody that we come in contact with when we are submitted to God. So your life has more of an influence than just yourself. You have, each of you have congregations that you have at work or at home and the neighborhood, in your family especially. And you have great responsibility. You're like the high priests of your surroundings. Every single one of you is a pastor and God has a plan to use you every day, every day of your lives. Um, so let's talk, let's talk today about what I call inexpressible joy. And I'm going to start off with 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And I need my glasses, I think. Maybe I don't. 1 Peter 1, chapter 8. Or 1 Peter 1, verse 8 and 9. He's got it up already. He's going to be faster than I am. Thank you. It takes me forever to find things. but I'll read it right off there. Though you have not seen him, you love him. 
Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. How many of you have seen God? None of us. Though you haven't seen him, you love him. We talked about that yesterday morning, didn't we, a little bit? And, um, you know, it's kind of like I'm going, God, why did you do this this way? We, we, we not, none of us have seen, seen, yet we have this desire to know you more and, and, and to love you. And, and we do love you, even though we haven't seen you. It's kind of like a wedding. And, you know, the day of your wedding, you're not supposed to see each other. And uh, I think it's because, I think it's, it's a big buildup to me. I think at the end, in the, when he returns, it'll be like that wedding ceremony where, you, where the unveiling occurs and we behold our Savior. And uh, though we don't see we're going to see him at some day, and it's going to be just inexpressible, an inexpressible joy. And um, so it's a lot like, it's really a lot like a, a wedding day, but inexpressible joy is something that you can't explain. It's, there's just no words. You ever have, be so excited that you can't even talk? And that's what God wants to do for us. Second John 1.12 says it's a complete joy. Isaiah 35.10 says it's an everlasting joy. John 16.22 says it's a joy that cannot be taken away. So complete, everlasting, and secure. You're going to hear me say those three words about joy through this message today. Um, so let me, let me just pray quickly before I go too much further. Lord, I pray that there would be blessing today, Father, as I speak. Lord, that there would be a hearing ear, a seeing eye, and a perceiving heart for each person. Lord, that every one of us would come away with a message from you, Lord God, a sustaining message, Lord God. Speak through me, Lord, and I pray that um, your will would be done in Messina, New York, as it is in heaven, in Jesus' name. Amen. So not many things are perfect in this world, are there? Um, look around. You see a lot of imperfection. Talked about Nadal even this morning, losing 25 games and still winning the match. <laughs> um, but through a lot of imperfection comes perfection. But there isn't much. Anybody a bowler in here? Any of you go bowling at all? You're, you're a bowler? You ever bowl a 300? No. Anybody ever bowl 300? No, no. You got close. How close did you get? Wow, that's incredible. Did you cheat? No, okay. Good, good. I'm sorry. Maybe a little. We won't tell anybody, okay? Um, a 300 game is a perfect game in bowling. There's not, what else is perfect? How about water? Water is perfect, right? Um, anybody ever have a perfect day? Doug, you might be able to relate to this. A perfect day. For me, this is my perfect day. I'm a tennis guy, of course. 15-mile bike ride at 7 a.m. Then a two sets of tennis at 11 a.m. Water skiing at 3. Not today. <laughs> and then hockey at 7 o'clock at night. So that would be like... And I've had days that are close to perfect like that. I've had three out of four or whatever. But um, think of a perfect day. Though Something that is complete everlasting and secure. That's what, this is the kind of thing that God is wanting for each of us when it comes to joy. This, I feel good. That, that has to be our default. Is that your default this morning? Maybe not. 
maybe not, but we're, we're, we're going to hopefully help every, each of us get to the place where we default on joy rather than on disappointment and fear and, and uh, worry and all that other stuff, that, all the other baggage that competes with, with joy, right? So this perfection concept is all throughout the Bible, and it can get very discouraging if you don't read it right. You know, the Bible offers, suggests, or promises perf- perfect scenarios that I haven't experienced yet. John 4.16 4, says that we can drink of this water that God has and never thirst again. John 14.14 14 says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. 1 John 3.6 says that we can s- cease from sin and Luke 17, 6 says, a mustard seed of faith can uproot a mulberry tree. I don't have complete and everlasting joy and secure. I still thirst for satisfaction. I've asked for things from God without success. I still sin. I can't budge a mulberry tree. I can't even pull a root out with the right way. I, I can never get it all the way out. It just comes back. <laughs> My experience is some kind of distance behind the promise, these promises. But there are instructions to close the gap. All right? We can move towards no thirst. We can move towards answered prayer, less sin, moving mulberry bushes, moving mountains. Amen? We can move towards greater joy, a complete and everlasting and a secure joy. And there, the, the Bible gives us instruction. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture, it's profitable for instruction, doctrine, correction. And we have the Bible so we can improve, right? Just like tennis. Every, pers- every tennis player or every golfer there ever was or bowler is always trying to improve. Try to, it, that's what life is about. We never, you know, I, 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 I love it when a, a, actually I shouldn't say I love it. I don't like it when a, a kid goes out and tries to play basketball for 20 minutes, comes back in, and I, well, I'm not going to play basketball. I'm no good at it. Well, of course you're no good at it. It takes time. It takes 10,000 events. Or I think that's the number. You have to do something 10,000 times to, be, to get good at it. And uh, um, that's, like, that's like Christianity. We give it a little try, and, oh, it didn't really work. I guess I'm going to pack it in. But that's not God's heart is for us to stay in the Scriptures, be corrected, be taught. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says our, inward, or our outward, outward man is perishing, and, but our inward man is being renewed every day. Romans 4.20 says, Abraham grew in faith that from the time he received the promise to the time that the promise came to pass, he got stronger and stronger and stronger in faith. Are you getting stronger in your faith? Are you better, are you more convinced we sang the song, I believe, I believe, I believe. Do you believe more now than you did five years ago? And, and yes, you do. I know you do. And, and God has this path for us for sanctification, it's a process, it's not an event. So this joy that we're talking about, these answered prayers, this departation from sin, 
we're growing towards it. Amen? And we don't get discouraged if we lose 26, 25 games because we know we can, we're going to, in the end, win, the 20, win one more than the enemy. But we, the problem is, is we see these promises and we get stuck here. And, um, you know, it can derail us if we don't look at things the right way. If we don't consider that we are going to lose some battles, but the war is yet to be complete. Amen? All right, so I'm going to talk today about three things from Scripture that are connected to your joy. And this is important. I, I really believe these three things are really important and that um, it can make a difference. I've, since we've been studying joy over the month, I've been really looking at this real close. Like I said, I wasn't even sure how, how to define joy. Um, but these things, I think, they've helped me, even in the short period of time that I've um, kind of reviewed these. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Luke 10, 38 through 42. Matthew, Mark, Luke, it's quiet here. My fault, I'm putting you to sleep here, aren't I? I don't jump around enough, I guess. I don't know. Um, so Luke, Luke 10, 38. Now as, the, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So the, the first one is, um, is this notion of the good portion. Martha was distracted with much serving, and she missed out on it. Um, how many of you remember Leonard Fox? Some of you do. Leonard Fox was here. We've had some incredible men and women of God stand up here and preach over the years, and in the old sanctuary too. Right, Marty? Had a lot. Leonard Fox was one of them. Leonard passed away April of 2012, but Leonard had some sayings that I used to love. He did marriage counseling. Mar Leonard was a happy guy. But when he came here, he was in the late 70s, almost 80 years old. And uh, I think he was actually over 80. Um, he, would, he would do marriage counseling, and he would get the guy and the girl in together. And he'd look at the girl, and he'd say, Do you think, this is Leonard's, do you think if you'd have waited a little longer, you prayed a little harder, you could have done better than this? <laughs> that was Leonard's style. You have to, you know, <laughs> I think he stopped doing that after a while. Because uh, the, the, the girl would go, oh, probably, you know. <laughs> but another thing Leonard would say, I remember uh, they had a, they were doing prophetic meetings, and I missed one of them. I was out doing something else, and I came back. I, I said, Leonard, I missed. I'm sorry. He says, well, what are you going to do to catch up, you know? And uh, just a, a Leonardism, you know, but it was, it, that's the idea. Martha missed out, and she, there was no way to catch up. And, and she, um, 
she says to Jesus, she said, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care? Do something. Tell her. She's like, I'm following the rules. And we're supposed to serve. She's not, she's not, do something. This is not fair. And we, we get stuck in this, this place of this is not fair. Anybody get stuck this year in the snow? Am I the only one? Anybody get stuck yet? I got stuck. And when you know, you know how when you get stuck, most of the time, we just rev it up. Spin, right, Doug? You can't spin the tires when you're stuck, right? You got to uh, try to avoid that. Go real gentle. But at the end of the day, if you're stuck, you're stuck. You need help. We get stuck in this place. It's not fair. I've done everything by the book. This guy across the road doesn't do anything. He keeps getting blessed. He's doing it all wrong, not following the rules. It's not fair, and we get stuck there. Just spin our tires and spin and spin, sometimes for years, for years, because we look at it wrong. And, um, you know, this whole notion of doing everything right, the having to be perfect, and uh, the Pharisees were very realistic, uh, legalistic and proud, there's no evidence of joy. I don't know if you've read anything about the Pharisees. If you read in the, anybody see any instance of joy in their lives? It's zero, big fat zero. They're so legalistic. And the Pharisees measured Jesus against the word of God. He said, they said he's, he's healing and he's plucking grains of corn on the Sabbath. He's not washing his hands before he eats. Exodus 30, that's where it comes from. Um, he blasphemes. Lack of reverence concerning deity. He ate with sinners, right? The devil used the word of God against Jesus too. And um, we all know he used the word of God when he was in the wilderness. God will protect you. He's using all these Bible verses, pulling them out of context and using them. But 2 Corinthians 3.6 says, the letter kills but the Spirit gives life. You know water, that perfect thing we were just talking about? How wonderful it is for drinking, for, for bathing in, for everything? It can kill you. You can drown in it, right? Um, so we got to be careful. We got to be careful about, um, you know, chapter and verse all the time. That legalistic, we, we need the Bible. So how do we know what Bible standards to live and die for? Which mountain of scripture are we going to take our stand on? Chapter and verse was the wrong approach for the Pharisees and for the devil. How do we know that we're rightly dividing the word? How do we handle things like 1 Corinthians 11, 5, where it says, every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. Or long hair on a man is a disgrace, the Bible says. First, the Bible says it, chapter and verse, 1 Corinthians eleven fourteen. Should we eat meat? Is one day more holy than the other? All of these things that are in the, in the scriptures. You know, the early church struggled with circumcision. They went back and forth on it. How do we, how do we handle this? You know, can I have a glass of wine? I woke some of you up, didn't I? <laughs> can I have four? I don't know. Which bite of food is okay and which one is gluttony? Amen? So these are some tough, some tough questions that we, it's good to have some, this is kind of like a sermon and a sermon here, but 
Uh, the answer for this is Romans 14, 5, 6, and 10. And David, I, I want, I'll page through. I'll see if I can find it here. Romans 14. Matthew, Mark, Romans, right? Oh, Acts, Acts and then Romans. So Romans 14, verse 5, it says, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. Verse 10, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So each one should be fully convinced. That's where this is going right here. As far as this legalistic thing, whatever you decide to do, whether you're going to eat, observe a day, um, cover your head, I don't know, um, you do it in honor of the Lord. And, verse 10, you don't judge others who do eat meat or observe a day, have a glass of wine, or um, don't wear a tie to church. Things are different around here, Joe, aren't they, than they were 30 years ago. I think I'm the only one wearing a tie, aren't I? Kind of did that because I knew this was... So don't judge me. <laughs> and I won't judge you. Um, don't judge other people who aren't serving at the moment. Amen? Uh, the lesson here, really, you know, the lesson is this. This is the Word of God, right? The Word of God is also called the what in the, in the Bible? What's it call itself? The sword. Somebody said it. The sword, your sword, my sword, is not meant, you don't point a sword at somebody else, right? It's not meant to be pointed at somebody else. It's meant to be, your, your sword is meant to be pointed at you. You point your sword at you, not at somebody else. And that's the end, at the end of the day, that's the lesson here. When it comes to what you're okay with, what you're not, the Holy Spirit can do. And Martha didn't get that yet. She's looking at Mary saying, she's supposed to be serving. The greatest will be a servant. I can come up with 20 scriptures, 30, probably 200 about service. And she's failing and I'm not, and I'm miserable. She's happy. What's going on here? Mary was free at the time. She was free at the time to not serve. Martha was passing judgment. There's a time to be selfish, right? Choose the good portion. Who in here, when you have a whole bunch, or actually when you cut something in half, actually, let's, let's look at it a different way. You get a bunch of pieces of cake. Who picks the best piece? Some of you do. Most of you probably don't. Um, when you go on a flight, if you get on an air, airplane, they get up front and they start telling you to, you know, put your mask on and that sort of thing. But they said if the plane goes down, if it's going to go into, into the ocean, and I'm going, oh boy, what's, what's going to happen here? They said, put your own life vest on first and then help somebody else. And there's a time when you got to take care of yourself first. Now that plane ride, I'm not sure about what I would be thinking if the plane, I don't know if I think, oh, what did she say again? Yeah. 
But for, for the purposes of God, there's a time to choose the good portion, that which is suitable for you first. Put your own life vest on first. So number one, choose the good portion every day. Your time to sit at Jesus' feet. It won't be taken away, he says. This is important. It's directly connected with your joy. If you miss two, three, four, five days, two weeks or whatever, and your joy leaves you, it probably has something to do with not sitting at Jesus' feet. Because if you're not at his feet, you're going to go in the direction of Martha. You're going to go down the legal path. And it's good to serve. It, we need to serve, but not in a legal manner. You know what I mean? Number two. Number two is give it back. Number one, choose the good portion. Number two, give it back. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. And I brought my little, it's my son's fishing pole. For some of you fishermen, I know this is, let's just honor Jason Latre today as we're praying for him. He's a, he's a great fisherman. Um, I don't know if you've seen his post, but um, when you're a fisherman, you cast, you don't cast once, right? Cast out once, pull up, no, nah, no, fish aren't biting, I'm going home. No way. You cast and cast and cast. And we need to do that. With our cares, we need to cast our cares on him for he cares for us. You're not built, you're not designed to bear your, bur your own burdens. You're not, you need to cast them. You are designed to, to carry somebody else's burden. That's different, right? Dale, you know that. You've taken care of a lot of people over the years. And uh, there's joy in that. But carrying your own burden, you're not meant for it. You're not meant for it. You know, a couple of my children, my two youngest children, I kind of gave them cars. I'm not sure if it was a good idea or not. But um, I realized that they didn't want me to um, ever drive the cars after I gave it to them. They'd lock them up. Keys were in their bedrooms. And, you know, they don't want me in their personal... They don't want me in their business. You know, they got their own life, and that's their life is in their cars. And McKenna's driving now, I just heard, too. So I don't know if it's like that. But they don't understand that if I get their car, and I have, there's times where I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it, I'm going to fill it up with gas, I'm going to fix everything, I'm going to bring it back in better condition than it was. And we're like that with God a lot of times. We've got this thing that he gives us, whatever it is, and we hold it back. No, you can't, you can't touch that. And he wants to just take it so he can fill it up with gas, change the windshield wiper blades, change the oil, you know, and he'll, it'll come back better than it was. And that's the way God is. When we cast our cares on him, give it up, give it back to him. Give it back to him. Number three, almost done. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Psalm 126, 5, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. So number one, your joy is related to choosing the good portion. Number two, casting your cares, giving it back. And number three, the prize of joy is connected to your efforts, to your call, to your mission, your ministry your cross, 
John Lewis, everybody hear of John Lewis? Congressman, um, he died last uh, year ago, July. He had some quotes, one of his quotes was, get in good trouble, necessary trouble, your cross, your mission, whatever it takes. If you have to get into some trouble because of it, you do it. Because you're gonna, when you start doing what God wants you to do, it's gonna ruffle some feathers. People around you aren't gonna like it. Probably your own family <laughs> to start off with. But you need to be engaged in your, in your cross and the things that you're doing. And you need to be, you're gonna find joy in your mission. What uh, Lloyd St. Pierre, some of you know Lloyd. I don't know how many electrical boxes he's fixed in all his years. Any, whose house has he been in over the years? Look at the hands go up. What he's done, that was his mission. That was, and he had great joy in that. Find your mission. And, and there's great joy tied to that. Martha could have experienced joy that day. I know she could have had she not judged Mary. Do you have it tougher right now than others? There's joy for you. You know, back in the mid-2000s, I worked for General Motors. And uh, John Lancaster, I don't anybody remember John Lancaster? Used to come to this church. He was the plant manager there. I was a peon, um, a supervisor out on the floor. And there was a Sunday afternoon that I had to work. I was, um, remember Dale, we used to work weekends and, so I'm out, I'm there working Sunday afternoon. I remember I said, Donnie, Don Curry was pastoring here. I said, Don, you can take my boat out. I got to go to work. I had a boat. So he came and got my boat. And guess who went with him? John Lancaster. <laughs> I'm at John's plant working on a Sunday afternoon. He's out in my boat. What I'm doing, I could have lied. I, it was fine. It was fine. It really was. I had joy in my, what I needed to do at the time, there was joy. It's funny now, but I was like, oh, what's wrong with this? Something's wrong with this picture. But um, it was okay. It was okay. And it could have been okay for Martha too. Martha could have been fine. She could have said, oh, go, Mary, go. We rejoice with those who do well, right? We weep with those who mourn, but we rejoice. And she could have been just fine serving. She could have found that place of joy instead of looking across so let's not do that but let's make sure that we're connected with our mission we're doing what God wants us to do and there's great joy in finding the good portion being having the good portion and and um, of course these things are all they're all very important these three things are very important I'm going to summarize them right now um, a complete everlasting and secure joy. Number one, again, choose the good portion every day. John 16, 21 and 22. Dave, can you put that up? John 16, 21 and 22. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Same words we just heard Jesus said about Mary. No one's going to take her joy from you. A secure joy. Complete and everlasting and secure joy. Number two, give it back. Cast often. 
Cast, cast, cast. You got to care. The Bible says if you, instead of worrying, pray. Amen? You got to care. Cast, cast it back off. To, and number three, take up your cross. Get in good trouble. Find good trouble. Do what God has called you to do. Those three things, and you're going to have great joy, complete joy, secure joy, everlasting joy. Spent almost five, over five years, actually, at the um, county jail. <laughs> that didn't sound right, did it? <laughs> Ministering. Believe me, when I, I there was... There was a, I should have been in there myself, but we won't talk about that today. Um, but I would go there, it's an hour a week, an hour out of 168 hours, and it was my, the, my finest hour of the week. And, I, and uh, it was tough. It was very awkward for me. To, I'd go in there and get in front of 12 guys, that's all they would take in the room, and I'd preach to them. I'd bring my guitar and I'd play, and I was, I'm a lousy guitar player. And I'm not much of a preacher. And I would do this week after week, my cross. But it was a, a great joy. It was my fine, finest hour. And I'm saying, um, say, say all about this, this joy thing. Why is it so important? Why is joy so important? Because in Nehemiah it says what? The joy of the Lord is our strength. It's our strength. Ever have an easy day and it was miserable because you had no joy? You ever have a tough day and it was awesome because you did have joy? You know, um, wanna, JJ, can you put the, uh, that picture up? We had a tough week this week. This, and some of you probably saw it on Facebook, you see stuff. This is our, our puppy, our doggy. He, she was with us for almost 16 years. And this Wednesday, we had to put her down. And, um, oh, my goodness, it was tough. I cried. I haven't cried like that. I can't remember. And my wife cried. My son and my daughter were all crying. We were at the vets. The receptionist crying. It was sad. It was a sad day for us. We love that dog. We love that dog. It's a hair factory. Made a mess just as much as any other dog, but we love that dog. And you know what? As hard as it was, we bounce back. You ever see those those bouncy toys where you knock them down and they come right back up? I'm praying today for each of us that our default is joy. That we return back up. Righteous fall seven times, they get back up, and you have joy. You re return to it. Even though weeping endures for a night, joy comes in the morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.